What do you consider the number one issue that you will face as you campaign for governor? I really look at three. There you go. You ask a politician a question, he answers what he wants to. Uh, the top three I'm looking at are reforming education so that we're actually teaching kids with all this money we're spending. We're spending more than we ever have adjusted for inflation, and yet our test scores and our learning is going down. Uh, we've got to get a handle on crime. Uh, I think we've made some real changes in St. Louis City uh, with the new circuit attorney. Everything I hear is that he's doing the job and doing it well, but we have problems across the state. It's time that the citizens were no longer scared and the criminals were, and we've got to get the size of the state budget under control. It's doubled in the last seven years. It's $51 billion. I'm happy I don't get all the government I pay for, but we need to let the people keep more of that money and use it themselves. They're worried about how to pay for gas and put food on the table. So how do the balance of powers work when it comes to stopping crime? Like how much of that can be the responsibility of the governor's office? How much of that can be the mayors in these cities, the attorney generals? How does that, how do the checks and balances work? Yeah, first and foremost, that should be a local issue. It should be happened, uh, should be taken care of by local courts and a local prosecutor. But when the local government is not doing their job, you cannot, as a state, say, well, too bad. The people of St. Louis are just going to have to deal with it. The state needs to step in. We need to support our police officers. We need to get more law enforcement officers on the street. We need to make sure that we have prison space for criminals. And we need to make sure that if prosecutors locally aren't going to prosecute, the state passes statutes, and we make sure they will prosecute. It's always been my opinion, because gun violence oh. is such a hot-button issue, the number one way, and it's kind of logical to fight gun violence, is the folks that have a pattern of committing gun violence should stay in jail. Every time you read about one of these, and I'm not talking about the mass shootings at the school. That's another tragic case. I'm talking about the day-to-day crime. You always read that this guy had a rap sheet, including three other gun charges. And you think to yourself, if, if a lot of the gun violence is perpetuated by people with a history of gun violence, Maybe keep those guys in custody. <laughs> it is a truism that if you put the criminals in prison, they do not commit crimes. What we see on average in Missouri is when you re- release someone from state prison, they're going to return eight or nine times. We have judges that are sentencing criminals to five or ten years, and they're doing months instead of years. That's a problem. We need to lock up the criminals so the good law-abiding people don't have to be afraid. And, you know, in St. Louis City, they talk about, well, we want to stop gun violence, take away the guns. No, because you're not taking them away from the criminals. You're taking them away from the law-abiding citizens that need to be able to defend themselves when the police can't get there in time. Why aren't they staying in jail? Um, Part of it is we don't have room for them. Uh, We're having trouble hiring corrections officials. We've built prisons where we don't have a a large local population so that we can hire workers. We have two prisons in Cameron, Missouri. Uh, Nice town, but I bet most of your listeners have no idea where Cameron, Missouri is. One of them is completely shut down. The other one is only staffed at about 60 or 70 percent. Realistically, every time we sentence a criminal to prison in Missouri, we have to let someone else go, regardless of whether or not they've done their time, they've been rehabilitated, or they deserve to go. That's a problem. Wow. I mean, are they hardcore criminals letting out? Like, is there, is there a lot of like, weed charges and stuff like that, guys? You're so- really not seeing the weed charges being let, uh, They're not the ones that are, that are the problems we see as much. Although you, the idea that, that drug crimes are victimless crimes is, is a fallacy because uh, the, the people that have the drug problems are the people that are breaking and entering, that are doing the burglaries. And maybe you say it's just property damage until they break into the house and the homeowner's there, and oh. then you've got a murder on your hands. Oh, yeah. 
And our system right now really doesn't provide them rehabilitation of any kind. If you're a smart individual that's facing four years in prison or 120 days of drug rehab, and 120 days isn't long enough, you're going to take four years because you'll be out of custody faster with a four-year sentence than if you're supposed to do 120 days of rehab. That's ridiculous, and we need to change the system. When asked what you were campaigning on, the first thing you said was education, which I think is fantastic. When you talk about some of these tougher neighborhoods to try to make it so some of these kids don't become criminals, how do we get there? Is it education? Is it housing? What else can you do? You know, there there are a lot of different things we have to worry about. Uh, but if we want people to be able to get out of bad housing situations, to get out of bad neighborhoods, they need the job, they need the education to be able to do that. And we've seen places in this state where we've had generational poverty because they were stuck with a school that didn't teach their parent, and now they're stuck in that same situation. We need to empower parents to be in charge of where their kids go to school and let them deal directly with teachers because teachers are the ones that provide education. That's what it ought to be, parents and teachers. Let's get rid of the administration and everybody else that's in the way. So you're in favor of school choice, which would mean vouchers where the money you get is transportable for parents whose kids are in a bad district and want better for them. Is that um, It wouldn't just be vouchers for, for changing to a different district. I'm in favor of what I would call total educational freedom, where it's like an HSA where you have pre-tax dollars you put away, but you can only use those for health uh health reasons. I'd like to see your, the money that the state would pay uh, for your child's education go into that account. You can use that at your local public school for tuition. If you go to a good public school, you can use that for uh, homeschooling. You can use that for tutoring. You can use that for a private school. I mean, I have four kids. My oldest son goes to the public high school, Capital City High School, and have two in Jeff City because it's good for him. My second son tried to be born at 20 weeks, was born at 25 weeks, was a pound and a quarter. He needs different help, mm -hmm. and we have the ability to make sure that he gets that. The state should make sure that every parent in this state has the same ability to do that that I have. As I understand the other side of the argument is if you allow that, then the poor districts, which have to get better, um, will end up having no students and then – not enough to get funded properly, and then that. Well, that, I, I I'm think it'd be great really if the understand. poor, if the districts that weren't doing well had no students. That's exactly what'll happen. People will find better ways to get educated. Micro schools will pop up. We'll, you'll see uh, independent schools that'll pop up in neighborhoods that have been left behind by neighborhood schools where parents want to go. Um, worst case scenario, we help some of the people, and then we have a smaller group of people that we can now look at to say, okay, that didn't help you. How do we help you now? I'm sick and tired of the idea that if we can't make sure that 100% of the kids are, are, are trained to be rocket scientists in our schools, we're not going to do anything for anybody. For generations, we've refused to make a change. Some of this is going to have to be iterative. We need to help who we can and then go back to help the next group and the next group. Otherwise, it'll never get done. Man, back to the drug issue. I mean, this fit and all. You know, coming up Highway 44, it's it's out of control. It's out of control here. I mean, people I know that uh, thought they were taking one thing, it was completely different. Yeah. It looks like gummies. They they come in all kinds of different forms. Like, how do we stop this? Well, you, you've 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 got to quit it. You've got to stop it from coming into the country as best you can. Um, we need to reevaluate whether it makes sense to to essentially prohibit. Uh, people from being able to buy testing strips that will tell them if there's fentanyl and things. I mean, I'm not sure I really understand what the, the logic is behind that. 
but you've got to you've got to push back against what's happening at our border. You've got to push back against China. I mean, you can't just sit on your hands because people's kids are dying. They are. It's it's crazy. It's it's everywhere. Mixed in with all kinds of different things. Where are we at right now as a country, in your opinion? I know you go through different waves, and you know I thought we were. You know, the, the, the tightest after 9-11, we all came together. Then we went to the Iraq War and then Afghanistan and all kinds of different. Where, where are we at as a country right now, in your opinion? I think we're extremely fractured. We have the people that hate the fact that America has been the world's lone superpower. They hate the idea of American supremacy. And then you have the other side of the coin that are just so grateful and thankful that they've been allowed to grow up in this country. And they want to make sure that they continue the values of this country for the next generation. And uh, we've got to figure out how to work through that. So we are a dumb sports talk show, mm-hmm. but you are a candidate for governor, and mm-hmm. one of the big issues is abortion. You're, yeah. you're pro-life. Yeah. And as I read about you, there was some criticism over your wording of the summaries in regard to legislation that was trying to overturn the abortion law. I don't know a lot about it, but I wanted <laughs> to ask you about it to explain where you are, what was, what was that all about? Well, you know, the first thing I'd, I'd mention is that uh, there was criticism, but if you look at the criticism, they never once write out the language for the initiative petition. Uh, you cannot honestly criticize a summary without talking about what it's supposed to summarize. Uh, my job as Secretary of State is to look at the language of the initiative petition and in 100 words, no more, explain that in a, a fair way. And um, a lot of people don't like the language, but what I tell them is read the initiative petition. This is a good summary of what the initiative petition does, and I can't just make language you would like if it doesn't actually summarize what the initiative petition is. How do you balance that and, and your personal beliefs with also where the country is on that issue and potentially, or if it already has, hurt Republicans at the ballot box elsewhere, even if it maybe wouldn't do that in Missouri, and I don't know. Well, first off, when we're writing that language, it's not just something I do. We have several people from different areas of the office with different backgrounds uh, to try to look at it, not just for content, whether it's accurate, but look at you know the, the level of reading capacity necessary to read it and how it might affect people from different backgrounds. But beyond that, I really can't look at how it's going to affect an election. What I, I swore an oath when I was sworn into office that I would follow the law. And the law says I'm supposed to look at what the actual language of the initiative petition is. I will roughly summarize that. Whether that helps me or hurts me, what it does at the election, that's not up to me to decide. Another issue is voter ID. Yep. And I think this is a divisive issue because people label, oh, he's a voter you know, denier or election denier, whatever. Um, I believe in voter ID laws. I'm not sure exactly it worked in what, November. Yep. What, what is your stance in terms of one, how we do elections and what's fair in terms of allowing access for people that might not otherwise have access and also making sure that every vote is legit. You know, when you're running elections, you need to worry about accessibility. You need to be worry about security so it's hard to cheat. And you need to worry about credibility. Uh, for years and years and years, we just talked about access and security. But now I think we've seen that, hey, we need to make sure that there's visibility and transparency into the process so that people trust the results. Uh, I'm a strong believer in photo ID. We implemented photo ID in Missouri in a way where if you don't have one, we'll pay for you to get one for free. 
uh, to make sure that it's not stopping anyone from being able to vote. We used it in the November election. Things went smoothly. People were able to vote. Uh, and, 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 and people had confidence in the election process. Four or five years ago, Missouri would have been ranked 10th by the Heritage Foundation in our elections. We're now in the top three. I'd love to see us do some things on requiring proof of citizenship to register and to vote. I'd love to see us do some auditing legislation and also require that you do uh, a, a, a machine count for the rough count and then you do a hand count audit so that you're using both the machines and the hand count to check each other. And I think Missouri will continue to lead in our elections. People are asking on a text on about CRT, pushing CRT in our public schools. Some people think that it's, it's a lot of, you know, it's two sides of this. Some parents think that they see it. It's, it's creeping through the schools. Other people say it's, it's overblown. What's your take on CRT? Um, you know, they're going to change the name as we fight it. I think that the, the solution is to let parents be in charge of where their kids are going to school. Because when parents control the money, the school's going to have to be transparent with what they're teaching, and parents can make their own decision. And, and parents will have a wide variety of what they're looking for in a school, and they can find a school that works for their kid. We need to get the government out of that and get the parents in charge. You touched on the southern border a little bit a couple questions ago, and I'm kind of like, I live in Missouri. I don't see it. And so that, that to me is more of like a New Mexico, Arizona, Texas issue. But how much does that actually have a trickle-down effect to all of the other states, and should we be paying heavily to it? We should be paying attention to it. Look at what it's doing. We brought up, uh, Fentanyl was brought up. That's coming through the, the southern border. The Chinese are using that. They're making money off of it. The cartels are making money off of it. Um, it's, it's a drag on our economy with all the costs for states dealing with these individuals. Uh, we need to be a country that prioritizes letting people in that are here for free dumb and not for free stuff. Um, America has been that shining beacon on the hill, but they need to come here with an understanding of the rule of law and the values that we adhere to. We don't want to become balkanized like some other countries have. How do you make that distinction between who's coming for freedom and who's coming for free stuff? Well, if you're just coming for free stuff, you come illegally. If you're coming here for freedom, you're willing to go through the process because you respect the rule of law. How do you how do you stop if you have thousands of people just ready to cross the border? Obviously, you know, there are issues. You build a wall. Right. But you also know, it works for Nancy Pelosi at her house. It works at the White House. Um, <laughs> it works all over the place. Um, you know, it, thousands it's of that years simple. <laughs> but I'm saying also from from the folks coming from Central America through Mexico. Yeah. Is there more you can do with those other countries or, or how do you get it so that those folks aren't? coming to the border in the first place you know there is more you can do but the first thing you do is you build the wall so it puts the pressure on those countries to act right now they don't feel like they have to act because if we built that wall then mexico would say wait a minute we're going to have to deal with this problem right now mexico doesn't have to deal with that problem as much they just say yep keep going north go to the u.s let them deal with it i think the scary part is what we're seeing in the middle east now is we have open borders where people come in. We don't know yep. who they are, and I think that should concern. Everybody. We know that we have captured hundreds of people that were on intelligence lists. The question is, how many have we not captured? Uh, you look at what happened in Israel with uh, a security service that really works to keep that uh, country safe, that has a real border there, and then you look at what we're doing. We are inviting trouble, and that is uh, – you know, sometimes I think that maybe U.S. citizens should have gotten together about $15 million and given it to Joe Biden before the Chinese. Yeah. My question is, and I think most Americans would like to see less divide. I mean, I, in my opinion, 
we're divided. Oh, I yeah. mean, people get angry on a number of different things on a list, and it's, it almost seems like it was ginned up to get to this point. But Republicans and Democrats have to work together at some point. How do we get back to that where I understand, you know, people work in the best interests of their parties, but how do we get back to where there's more working together for the betterment of the state, for the, for the country, or whatever? You know, there is a decent— <clears throat> oh, We is, do that all the time, just so you know. It's all good. <laughs> there is a decent amount of that at the state level, but you also have to understand that there are uh, issues where there just is not compromise. You know, whether you're, you're pro-life or not, you know, if you believe it's an individual human life, it's hard to say, go ahead and kill it, you know? But if you don't believe that it's an individual life, if you believe it's just a clump of cells, and it's easy to say, well, wait a minute, why, why is this any of your business? I think one of the things we need is, is more grace in politics, more of an understanding that none of us are perfect. Um, it used to be we could have great political fights, but we understood that the other individual, what we would say, was just wrong, and they'd say, I was wrong, but we didn't think they were evil. Uh, and then also, I think more so than ever in our society, we have people that believe that not only are they right, but everybody else has to live their life the way they say they do. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I really don't care about. If you do it with your own money, you're an adult in your own front yard. But when you come into my living room, I got a problem with it. And that's why, you know, I don't want to call some of these other things boutique issues because they could really matter to individual people. But I like the fact that the first three things you said, which were education, crime, budget, I feel like if both sides of the aisle just focused more on the things that kind of everybody agreed on, it, it would help and it wouldn't just be so much infighting about Again, these are these are big issues, but sometimes I'm like, we're we're spending 50 percent of the media oxygen on on something that affects one percent of the population. And the stuff you're talking about affects everybody. Or we have one percent of the population that is trying to force their beliefs on 99 percent of the population. Yeah. I mean, there are things that can be done that shouldn't be partisan. Although having said that, I think law enforcement has become partisan in the last five or 10 years, which I just can't understand. The idea that we would want to treat Criminals better than law-abiding citizens just makes no sense to me. So we understand your family legacy, obviously, but tell us about your background. Younger, when did you decide that you wanted to get involved in politics? Tell us about your background. I was the 17-year-old son of uh, one parent that was in politics and two lawyers that said, I'm never going to go to law school and I'm never going to go into politics. So I I failed right off the bat there, I guess. I said, I'm going to get a real job. So I went into engineering, graduated from the University of Missouri, Rowell, two degrees. Didn't start there, but didn't apply myself. So ended up at Rowell, have a BS and MS from there, went to work in the defense industry. That contract started and took a position teaching at St. Louis Community College for about six years. While I was there, I got married. My wife wanted to go to law school. That's kind of when I went to the dark side. Figured she'd take good notes. She was always in class when she was supposed to be. That'd be the way to do it. And then was working as an attorney and just got fed up with who was running on the Republican ticket for a state Senate seat. That's how I got involved in politics, because I said, we can do better. Some wanna, people would say I can't hold a job. <laughs> I just wanted to, I hate to interrupt. I was just going to ask you about what you what your take is on Donald Trump and his re- relationship with Republican candidates, because I think we saw it in the midterms that there were definitely some local races that were affected based off of how closely related those Republican candidates were to Donald Trump. Do you think that's toxic or do you or what's your take on that? Um, I think that Donald Trump has a lot of sway over President, former President Trump has a lot of sway over Republican voters. Obviously, there is some disagreement about that because you're looking at the presidential primary, but right now it looks like he's going to run away with it. 
Have you endorsed anyone on the Republican? No, I, I haven't endorsed anyone. I've I really feel like it, I mean I've, I've voted for Donald Trump Donald Trump four times, uh, but I haven't endorsed anyone. I'm hoping that with Missouri moving to caucuses and when our caucus date is, that we'll actually see some of those presidential candidates coming to Missouri. And I want to encourage every Republican candidate that I can to come to Missouri, spend their money in Missouri, and help us beat Joe Biden. I agree with that. I know you got to get going, Jay. You got another interview. You probably got 15 more, so we don't want to keep you. Smarter people. We can keep you for a long time. We got a lot of questions. We do appreciate you coming on. We're going to go to break and regroup and get this guy out of here because he's got a lot more more important interviews to do. Jay, thank you so much for for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Right on, guys. Thanks. I forgot to ask him about sports gambling. Gambling. Oh, I meant to do that too. I know. I had that. I know. But we were into more interesting stuff. The sports gambling stuff will happen. Yeah. That's something no, I actually care about, though. And a lot of people care about it, so we probably oh. should have. But we, Dang it. I mean, we hit a lot of the main things, I thought. That is a boutique issue, though, compared to crime and education. No doubt. And you know what? We got MyBookie, so you can just go to MyBookie.ag. Yeah. It's yeah. all good. Uh, Son of a... Yeah, the text line was blowing up, too. Let's see. Nice you know what I liked about his approach is... Because coming in, I knew a little bit about Jay. And... One thing I don't like about politics in general is our primary system because I feel like in a primary, you have to cater to your group. So I feel like it's usually way more extreme and way more divisive in a primary. I love the fact that he came on with very substantive issues. The first things he said was education, crime, budget. That's something that everybody agrees with. For yes. the most part, a huge swath I was of Missourians. So happy he didn't just spell drag queens and this and that. I'm like, no, you're. He's actually talking about issues that people are seeing on a day to day basis. That I appreciate. So, it's always entertaining to me that once you get through the primary, where the candidate either sprinted to the right or to the left, and then they, it's a general election. And they have to disown the stances that they just took to win a yeah. primary and have to just kind of moonwalk back to the middle. Yep. It's hilarious. It's good theater. It's great in Missouri, too, because you always see it, especially, look, we know Missouri's red and whoever runs for Republicans is going to win. But it's always funny in the Republican primaries, that's when all the guns come out and the, the Eric Greitens commercials with the machine guns, and then it shifts to the stroller on the uh, street. You know, it shifts from the guns— to the family pushing the stroller down the street the second you go from primary to general. Mm. So with Greitens. And everyone does that. And I'll be honest, like I had no idea who Greitens was. And he started running. I don't think a lot of people knew. I remember he was sort of like this candidate that came out of nowhere in the beginning. Maybe I'm wrong historically. But I just remember getting in my email a picture of this guy firing off a Gatlin gun, like for a minute and a half. And I was like... Who is this guy, and how did he decide my email needed to have his video? Like, that would who, – who are you voting for? The guy with the, the Gatlin, Gatlin gun. gun. That's normal. Who, who thought that I would immediately – I don't know. Jump in on that. Do I have a history of buying weaponry? That's how they get you that They'll subscribe get you. emails. I have so many damn emails. I can't handle Literally, it. Literally. I spend my whole day unsubscribing. I don't even know. You buy one product. Oh. Or somebody visits a website, yeah. and all of a sudden you get 5,000 emails. Or How about this? Or, or you, you say, to, hey, E, what about an air fryer? Do you think we should get an air fryer? And all of a sudden you Google something, and the ad for an air fryer comes up. Jimmy, I thought about an air fryer. I thought about it. Didn't say anything. 
and it popped up on my phone. Is that China or Putin? That's China and Putin. God, I thought about it. Scared to have, I go, what? They're in my brain, Jimmy. And I don't like it. I don't like it. Does he have a mute button, question mark? Why does he care, question mark? Innocent people and kids are being killed. Royals fan Kyle. You didn't say anything. Was that at me? Yeah, no, you're just, no, it's all good, man. About what? The uh, border. Because I said no. I don't see it on a regular basis. Well, I also think that that is probably kind of your bubble. Because the border, uh, yeah. well, just hear me out. Okay. The border has become a national story. Why? Because now in New York, they're saying they're going to go bankrupt from handling the migrants. In Massachusetts, they're declaring a state of emergency because of the influx of migrants. In Chicago, it's a huge issue. So it isn't just Arizona and Texas anymore. It's gone across the country. It's Martha's Vineyard. And now it's, a nation, it's more of a national issue I think for for more people now because of that. It was kind of a self-serving question. I asked for my own education purposes, but hopefully somebody else out there had the same question. Oh, I think by far that's the Democrats' worst issue. By far. Oh yeah. And they may lose on that alone, not just the fact that Biden is is pushing the funeral essentially. But that that's an issue that a lot of Democrats don't understand the party's strategy on the border. Like most people, I think, again, most people are like, yeah, we're cool with legal immigration and you do need workers. But what are what are you doing right now? Like, honestly, I I truly believe that's the the Democrats worst issue. Why? But why pretend that the border is closed when it's not? I don't I don't really I don't understand the end game on that. And I do think the wall issue is like Trump and Trump haters. And that's it. But there is something to be said with a structure that at least slows down the, slows the flow, the, yes. right? And, and, and Biden is now building part of a wall for that very reason. I mean, Mayorkas, who said the border's closed, said there's immediate need. He had to back away from that uh, to, to stop the, the flow because we can't handle all those people. So I don't understand why that became... I think, I mean, Trump made a lot of mistakes. We can get Mexico to pay for it. And oh, yeah. They were never going to pay for it. I get a lot of the, the chirping and the criticism. But you want to stop the flow because right now they can't handle. And as I've said before, it's a story no one talks about. But literally hundreds of people have died on that border. Or missing hundreds. missing children. Why was it? I, I truly don't know the answer to this. Why wasn't he able to build it or build more during his presidency? He built a lot. But I, I forget. I think he was fighting legal battles. He was getting sued every time he turned around. Well, how much did he ball. spend? It was like, remember, he, he proposed it was going to be like $2 billion. And everybody's like, wow. And, and, that, and those brilliant. pieces of the wall sat there. And the government, as I understand, and I did vet this, yeah. was selling off the materials that were just sitting there for pennies on the dollar to, to China. get it out of there. To China. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I remember them people bitching about so much money. I'm like, just throwing money And the border, you would think, especially now with uh, the unrest in the Middle East. Good God. You'd want to close the border. I know. Like, if you, I just don't get it. If you, if you, if you go to an airport to fly, they check you every which way, you know, to, to see who you are. And then if you just walk across, no one cares who you are. It's and that's weird. truth. That's not a Republican talking point. That's fact. Do you know anybody that's like, no, I want open borders? I do not. I don't think I do. Do you? No. 
Where are they we, at? But we have. I mean, is it? Do we do we all agree that the border's open right now? It's open because even if they catch you, and a lot of people they don't, they don't really vet you, and you get a hearing notice, and you don't go for seven years down the road because our system is overrun. Yeah, they're overwhelmed. They're they're arresting the same people over and over. Yeah. And, and there's a difference between an asylum seeker and someone who wants to come here because they can make more money Dreamers. in this country. There's a difference. I, I, and it should be reformed. I, I, there's no question we need, we need immigration reform. But the first thing you do is stop people coming in illegally. Yeah. I think we would all agree with that. And originally it was, well, there's no fentanyl coming. It's coming through the ports, <laughs> except that's been be- debunked. You know who had a coming right up forty four baby. Who had a good take on this or a good solution? I think was when RFK Jr. has been asked about this. He basically said, "So a lot of people are obviously coming in and to do bad things. A lot of people are coming in to work, and a lot of people are obviously working illegally, and a lot of people are being hired illegally, and it's very easy apparently to to falsify whatever card you need to say, hey." I'm a citizen. Hire me. And so RFK Jr. was basically saying if we create and it's kind of like what uh, Jay Ashcroft said, you know, because the whole thing about um, photo ID is is more on the Democrat side about it not being a poll tax, meaning it has to be free and super easy for everybody to get because otherwise poor people would have less access. That's that's the true argument from the left. But I'm saying RFK Jr. said if we make sure everybody in the country has this ID then we punish companies that are actually hiring the illegal workers. There will be much less incentive for all these folks to come to the United States of America to work. They won't be able to illegally unless they come in the proper way. Two things. Uh, even with a free ID, which is what Jay said, which I've heard proposed in other states too, you will get a, people say, no, that's not good enough because people can't get there and it's – but you need an ID to do anything. To do anything. You know, I mean, it's true. Like, you need an ID of some sort. So to the backlash against that, I don't understand. And what, what he said about immigration is true. But if you look at the job numbers, like, there's still millions of open jobs in this country that people don't want to do. So there are companies that are pro-illegal immigration because they want cheap labor. Big, powerful companies. So you can put it on this person or that person, but there's a lot of things that work with our open borders. I should ask him about Bidenomics and if they're working. <sighs> there's a couple. There's a there's a lot we could have got into, man. We were flowing pretty good with him. Yeah. He's cool. That was cool. He's also a state politician. You know, I mean, I, I love yeah. getting these guys' takes on the national issues, but he's running in the state of Missouri. But he and th- that's also a he different. He threw it in at the end, though. What's that? He threw it in at the very end. We need to defeat Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, he's a Republican. But, I mean, he's also in a, in a, I don't want to say easy, but it's true. I mean, Missouri has gotten redder and redder. Whoever wins that nomination on the Republican side is going to be the governor. It's like, it's like the city of St. Louis. Once you get through the primary, we all know the Democrats are going to win. Yeah. Well, they're doing good down there. Cole's 100% correct with these teams virtue signaling and or taking sides. We're against car wrecks. We stand against car wrecks. Jay in Texas. I found the one. All right, so this isn't like my uh, my people youth agree with you. don't teach you lessons. Well, that was take. stupid. I found look, and I'm not trying to crush Cole, <laughs> but the owner of the Heat was born in Tel Aviv, Israel. I found the Bucks 
and the Jazz. And I could come up with more, but I'm stopping it too. I found a couple examples with non-Jewish owners who... How do you know? I went and researched it. The Jazz owner... Uh, what if they converted? Ooh. No, he's Mormon. Ooh. The Jazz, which I guess that would be fitting geographically. stereotype. Every time I think of Mormon, I think of you... And I think of think of me. What for some reason? Because you talk. Remember we had that conversation about Mormons. Oh, about and soaking. Um, soaking. Oh, that's a drop somewhere in the Nate folder. I think I can oh, find that. Last night, that poor Baltimore starter got shelled, and immediately after the broadcast, they brought up all of his families trapped in Israel. Oh God. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He got lit up. Man. Yeah. I don't know. That's so. If I may weigh in on this and just the American response, like I thought. I, I try to give President Biden credit <clears throat> when uh, when he deserves it. Like keeping, yeah. I have. Yes, no. You know, doing that fine line between expanding the war and getting more of us in, uh, involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his, I thought he was pretty well spoken and his and was assertive in his defense of of being against terrorism yep. and the. He attack. was staunch. Yep. Um, yep. But I I do wonder now. I mean, there are Americans apparently. Apparently, I haven't being held captive. Kids. Okay. And so this is another fine line that he's going to have to walk because if this had happened in anywhere else in the world, there would probably be a different response. But if the United States says, no, we're going in and getting our people out, that could touch off a bigger firestorm. What do you do? Do we already have SEALs headed there? I hope so. I'm talking about we're going to. We're going to bring a ton of American because so, they haven't committed to American boots on the ground. Advisory people, as as I understand. So the U.S. Whole, Special Operations Forces hostage rescue experts are assisting Israeli forces. Yeah, experts, meaning they're not supposedly boots on the ground. They're advisory, as I heard. Uh, as I heard, one of the uh, Biden so was it debunked them coming in with parach- uh, parachutes. And in a festival, like, is that debunked? Like, do we know? No, the really? festival thing was true. Okay. They came in in hang gliders. I just know they were, the festival was a huge target. Yeah. I don't know how they came in. But that's okay. what he's saying, because yeah. there was video that went viral yeah. of these hang, and I saw that that was debunked. And that doesn't mean yeah. there weren't some terrorists that hang glided in, but that video of the sky full of hang, you know, and then I was thinking, too, in retrospect, like, if you were going to attack something, you probably don't want to do with hang gliders because you're in the air as a target for a while. Yeah. People aren't armed there, though. You know what I mean? No one's holding. Can you have a conceal and carry in Israel walking around? Apparently, gun control laws are strict in Israel. Yeah. Interesting. I did read that. That, like, the average family doesn't have guns. Yeah. Mm. Uh, let's see here. Uh, somebody wanted to know. <laughs> Jay, if Megan Green and her colleagues are gracious enough to allow us to take dumps in public, will the state provide us with toilet paper? That was a good question. I was going to ask him. I wasn't going to ask him that. But so you can now take dumps yeah. in public? Yeah. Downtown is cool. What about peeing? Yeah. Both. That's always been allowed? Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do it. You'll I can't? Get, no, you'll get arrested. Why? I'll, I'll get, you're not homeless. Only homeless. What if I identify as homeless? Ah. You're also well, using you the wrong. Those, you wear those sweatpants. You're also using the wrong word. Oh, no. Unhoused. Unhoused people. My bad. So you're telling me that just homeless people can go to the bathroom? Unhoused. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. That's what I heard. I don't know. Not hobos, not homeless. Unhoused. Unhoused. You know? 
That's a BS answer. Not all family can afford private schools. Uh, government is involved if parents complain and they are deemed terrorists. Schools need to be cleaned up, not far left playground bone. Actually, and that's that is pro Republican is the school choice. Uh, Democrats, as I understand it, for the most part, are against that. The thing that does kind of back up that argument is the rich folks can put their kids in a private school wherever they want, mm-hmm. and if you're in a, a city, maybe don't have a lot of money, you're kind of hamstrung. Your kid has to go to that school, and if the school isn't good, sorry. What's up with the audio? You guys' voices sound crazy. Do we, we sound a little better now, guys? I only heard one one person bitch about that. I saw one text, so I assume we're all right. All of our voices? I'm just asking. Beats me. You guys realize that the state of Missouri would get 200 plus million dollars for education if sports betting was legalized? Classy boy. That's the thing. That's the point. I know. What are we doing? And and the other thing is, I find it funny that, I mean, St. Louis, you know, going to the boat was a thing. Like you had these boats. Oh, it's got to be a boat. Okay, we'll just build a casino near a. Uh, river. Oh, it looks like a boat. Okay, now uh, it's got to be close to water. It's the dumbest thing so ever. So dumb. And speaking of open borders, we have an open gambling border. Our open gambling border is everybody from Missouri driving over the bridges and placing their bets in Illinois and taking all of that revenue to a different state. I it's did that for ridiculous. the first time But you should time go to mybookie.ag. There you go. I did that for the first time on Saturday, all to just lose $1. And now Circa. You see all the ads? Because Circa is now in in, uh, Illinois, up in Chicago, but you can bet on their app even down here. So how does that work? If it's illegal in a state, but you can still bet off an app, how does that work? No, it's legal. I'm saying my bookie is offshore, but I've never had one problem getting money out of there. I've I've gambled my bookie for 10 years. So if it's offshore, I'm just trying to understand the the legal ramifications. It's, It's in Aruba. So they can't touch. That. It's different. It's different laws. So, but I'm saying, did you get arrested? Jamaica. No, not at all. all right. But because I'd like to see that. Obviously, Missouri, that that app, whatever it is, DraftKings, Circa, it does not work in the state of Missouri until you boom GPS are in the state of Illinois, and then you can fire it up. I mean, people are literally driving over the bridges, stopping in parking lots, and placing their bets for the weekend football. That's exactly what it's, I did. It's ridiculous. And then you uh, and sending all that money to Illinois. Yeah. Yes, Illinois, you got my one dollar. With the events in Israel and how our border has been opened up to our enemies, we are looking at a real-life Red Dawn situation. Hamas in Israel is a distraction after the current administration has depleted our oil reserves and our ammo cache. It's coming, Charlie's OPS Plus. Well, I wouldn't say Red Dawn. Red Dawn was a giant invasion. I'm talking about terrorist cells that may be yeah. here, likely are here. And we'll do that. I mean, no offense. Let me tell you something. If the United it, States is never going to run out of any of those things you just talked about. That's <clears throat> that's what our economy is built on. What, if Red it, Dawn? No. The the military, I know saying military-industrial complex is like a big buzzword. <laughs> that's never going away. Believe me. We will find a war to fight somewhere hey, imagine, at all times. Imagine they came down with those uh, paratroopers in our backyard. We're like, oh, ding, 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 ding. I mean, yeah. it'd be pretty tough. It'd be pretty tough. Come on, what was the stat the other day? Come on, a little closer. I got him. What was the stat? Shoot that balloon out. Uh, Excuse me, Secretary of State Ashcroft. Uh, What's your take on spy balloons hovering over Missouri? Staring at me for forty minutes in Cam's backyard. In my backyard with my puppies. I don't like it. What was the stat the other day? We looked up and said Washington D.C. was the was it the most wealthiest suburb in America or whatever the neighborhood percentage of billionaires. Right. Why do you think that is? 
That's oh. all those contracting companies are right there. Right there with their lobbyists. Yeah. They're lobbying the crap out of Democrats and Republicans, which is why when Vivek said you're all bought and paid for, I agree with them. Even if they don't know it, <laughs> they basically enter a system. They don't even realize that you're now bought and paid for because the second you get in, you need money to run. And if you don't do what they say, they're not going to give you money. That's why you support Trump. Who, me? Yeah, because he's independent. He, no one owns him. Um, are you familiar with uh, Citizens United? What is that, a PAC? That's, that's why we have corporate money in politics. That's a huge problem. Huge. Huge problem. It is. The people that want open borders are the same ones that want to allow open-air drug use and sidewalk crapping. They live in gated communities secured with the public tax money. Cray-cray. I still haven't met anybody. That's like, no, keep those borders open. Woo, doggy. I think, I think the people who want open borders hate this country, mm-hmm. so they want to see the face of it changed. And I think they're people that don't pretend that they're not for open borders, but deep down are, but, use, but circumlocute their argument so they don't have to admit they're for open borders. It seems like it's a winning campaign issue for the Republicans. Are they smart enough to make it work? Where we at, homies, where we at? That's, that's who you need to ask right there, Andy. Just ask Andy. He'll tell you. You should have asked who would win in a fight, Trump or Biden. <laughs> we should have. That would have been hilarious. Very well done. You should ask who's more cardiovascularly fit. Sure. You know. All right. One, all right. one can walk and one who's, can't. Whose drops are funnier, Biden's, Trump's? Ooh, I don't know. We got some doozies on both sides. Honestly. We talked about this a little bit after the show yesterday. RFK going independent hurts who more? Republicans. Okay. I don't know about that. Though. Oh, I guarantee it because... First of all, his uh, Frank. I hope you're listening. His uh, his vax. So the vaccines became a political issue. Okay, Demo- like well, there are people are people have their own thoughts, but generally speaking, there were more Republicans were anti-vax, and and more Democrats said you should wear the mask and have a Ukraine. I'm just joking, but those are the the two. There's a political association with that, and with the stuff that Kennedy said about vaccines. No Democrat, uh, uh, generally speaking, less Democrats would 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 find that appealing where more Republicans would. So to me, I think more Republicans who hate Trump, if he's the nominee, which it looks like he will be, Republicans would gravitate that hate Trump would gravitate to Kennedy more so than Democrats who don't like Biden or, in my opinion, Gavin Newsom, who will be the the Democratic nominee um, because of his vaccine stance. To me, that's who I look at. I think, and the polling backs it up. By the way, I think, in my opinion, I think way too many people. And I understand why. Way too many people. The first thing you hear with RFK Jr., they immediately think vaccine. And if you listen to the man talk, he won't even bring it up usually, unless somebody else brings it up, and he's happy to talk about it. But I think if you listen to the man talk, he's really discussing substantive issues that affect the middle class, the eroding middle class. And, and poor people in America. He has a very unifying message. He's not divisive at all. And here's the other thing. I, I think this kind of plays into Ron DeSantis and maybe why Ron DeSantis hasn't caught steam. Ron DeSantis did great in Florida during the pandemic. Whether you like him or not, people really liked what Ron DeSantis did for COVID, and he won by 20 points. People really liked what Mike DeWine did in Ohio, and he won by 25 points. Listen, I know COVID is still in the back of our memories. 
I think running on all COVID vaccine four years after COVID to think this is now like this top tier issue. I don't think it is. I really don't. And I think when you hear RFK, so many people think vaccine. If you listen to the man talk, he rarely talks about it. And his message is very unifying. And it's very like, like it's housing, it's education. It's basically corporations are taking all of the money. It's interest rates. It's our middle class is going away. It's our workers aren't making money. I would vote for for RFK over over Biden in a heartbeat. Okay, (laughs) but but it's not what he says. It's what is brought up by the media. I understand that. if you Google RFK, they bash him for his vaccine stance. So it's out there. So do people understand that there's maybe more nuance to a stance on vaccines? When it comes time to vote, a lot of them won't. They're just going to be, oh, that's the anti-vaxxer guy. So I'm not voting for him. And he's not even particularly against the COVID vaccine. It's more just the pharmaceutical. It's for-profit vaccines. There you go. So it's everything as a whole. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has individual takes on all these things. Like I said, though, listen, if somebody wants to tell me the crazy thing that he said that is disqualifying, let me know. I've heard a lot of crazy things from Biden, and I've heard a lot of crazy things from Trump, and I don't hear anybody disqualifying them. And again, I've listened to the man on four podcasts for hours, and he seems very, very reasonable. But a lot of people aren't listening to podcasts. A lot of people go to cable news where the left side, don't even put them on, unless it's CNBC for like more of an economic story, and now Fox News for years put him on, but now they're attacking him, of course, because now he's in as an independent. And I think both sides feel threatened by him. I will say, I mean, I, I, what you're saying isn't, isn't incorrect, but the reality is, and I'm just going by your question, who will it benefit? I think it benefits Democrats to have him in there. I don't think that was the original thought process, but I think that's how it's going to shake out.